0: those. Uh, okay, we are, uh, we're moving into uh, a series that's different than maybe what we've done before. And because this is not just like a, um, just a open the Bible and let's see what it says. This is a open the Bible and see what it says. But but also, this is a, this is going to be a shift, a paradigm shift for our church. This is going to be Really, it's not a program shift like oh, we're going to stop doing everything and start doing new stuff. It's not that. This is a culture shift, a new mission, a new vision, a new direction for New Hope that is all centered around us, this word that we know, we've heard before, but maybe, maybe we don't really like know specifically like what, like how to do it. It's all going to be sur- uh, sur- like, surrounded and centered in and with discipleship that New Hope is going to become a church that not that church that does discipleship. A New, a New Hope is gonna be a church that literally breathes discipleship. It's not a program or an option among all these other things that we do. It will be what we do. Our job, my job is as a, in, in the church is not, is not to, uh, to do all of the work of ministry. Now, I understand a lot of us have that idea or opinion of ministry, especially pastors, that we pay you to go do all the work. That, though I understand that maybe historically, like the idea, especially the American church, well, we have professionals who we pay to go do this. That is not how Jesus set up the church. That's not the mission or the goal or, the, or even my job description. My job description is not to do all the stuff you don't wanna do. You don't pay me to do that stuff that you're like, I don't really, I'm not really good at that. So you, pastor, you go do it. My job, according to the Bible, Colossians 1.28 says this. Him we proclaim, Paul is writing this, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. My job as a pastor, our staff, our job is to help make mature Christians. It's not to do the work. It's to help grow people in the faith so that, Ephesians says, so that they can go do the work. See the difference? It's training. My job is to train people in the church to go do the work of God's church, of Jesus's church, his bride. So I I take seriously, and and I, I think historically the church has not been, has not been great at discipleship. We talk about it. We say the word discipleship. We want to be people who are disciples, but when you ask specifically, all right, but what's the plan? How do you do it? What does it look like in your church? I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a pastor and I know the churches in town. I know the pastors have a relationship with them and we you know, meet and have coffee and meals and, and meetings and prayer stuff. And, and like, I know, I think almost all the guys. And, and when we start talking about discipleships, like this is usually how things go. Hey, so what do you guys like? What does discipleship look like in your church? Oh man, we're we're big on discipleship. Oh, okay, great. What do you do? Oh, we just really want people to grow in their faith. Okay, so what do you do? Well, we we have them read the Bible. Okay, so what? Oh, great. That, then, then what? Well, we tell them to get in a small group. Awesome. That small groups are great. All right, then what? Well, that's it. Begin a small group and read your Bible. Oh, that's it. That's discipleship. Now, historically, like I would say our church has been, hey, what's discipleship look like at your church? Well, you know, get in a Bible study and get in a small group and read your Bible. Uh, certainly pray, that would help. And, uh, and we just kind of list out all the things that we, like all the disciplines we know we should be doing. But, but what's the process? Someone comes new and they say, all right, how do I grow in my faith and become a disciple? Historically, the church has not had a great answer. And so this for us, like this series is not just a, hey, here's what the Bible says, but this is a, all right, here's New Hope's answer to that question. What does discipleship at New Hope look like? What is it supposed to look like? We're gonna spend this morning as kind of like a, the beginning foundation. It's gonna end with a to be continued. And and then we're gonna spend the rest of the series talking about what this looks like, what it's supposed to look like and what it will look like here. And it, as 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 kind of like, as kind of, Heady and esoteric as the word discipleship is, oh man, it's just discipleship. This is going to be very practical. All right, but what am I supposed to do? Great. I'm glad you asked. Here's your, literally, your next step in discipleship will be clear after we're done. I mean, to the point where you're maybe for the first time in your life saying, all right, I think I know what I'm supposed to do next. So I'm excited for this as we jump into discipleship. Here's the point of, of this morning and really the whole series. Ready? Our mission from Jesus is to make disciples who make disciples. That's it. What is the point of church? Why do you go to church? Why does Jesus have the church? Why do people uh, t- like show up on Sundays and do small groups and Bible studies and, and serve together? And you, you know why? You know why? Because Jesus told us to go make disciples who make disciples. Again, I think historically the church, we've dropped the ball on this. We're really good. We are really good. And, and I'll, I'll say I'm guilty of this too. We're really good at getting a crowd. In fact, we judge churches based on the size of their crowd. And, and we'll say a church is really, really effective or great if it has a big crowd and if it has a small crowd, it's like, oh man, oh yeah, they love Jesus and you know they just, uh, don't, just, maybe they need to work on a few things, tweak a few stuff. We look at the largest churches in America and we're like, man, they must be killing it. But is that the point of church? Now listen, I, I, we could have, we, could have I, we don't have enough seats, but if, if we had 2,000 people in this room right now, we would feel great. Wow, look at this crowd. But if out of those 2,000 people, we only had a few actual disciples, we would be missing the mark. It's not about a crowd. This really is about the mission of Jesus to, to make disciples who make disciples. So this morning, this morning's gonna hurt, but it's a good hurt. It's the like, you guys ever um, had like uh, someone like a a massage or a massage therapist work out on an area that's really sore or tender? I I have, uh, I used to, and I still do a back stuff and and have this sciatic problem, which has gone away, thankfully, but it used to be like debilitating. And one of the things I would do, um, first of all, like I'd be walking, I'd just like fall down. And at the beginning, like people were alarmed. And then after a while, like they would just laugh. And I'm like, I'm not, this is, I'm dying. I'm, you're laughing at my death. This is it. I'm, what's today? This is my death day. I'm like, I'm in so much pain. And one of the things I would do is go to a masseuse, a massage therapist, and they're like work, like would, you know, massage the areas. And, and I've been told that it's supposed to help. <laughs> in that moment, if, especially if you're sore, man, it hurts, right? And you do it anyways, willingly, because you know this is for my good. This is gonna hurt, but it's a good hurt because, like, they're working out a knot or they're dealing with this issue or it's really sore or it needs, it's really stiff and needs to be tense. All right, great. So it, it can hurt. It can hurt to, to make you better. The hurt leads to what's good. This morning's gonna hurt spiritually because it's going to highlight for us areas that are like, man, moans are really, no one's really shined a light on that part of my life before. Or at least it's been a while. No one's really told me, hey, um, we actually have to take this seriously. And that there may be some things in your life that it, it, it might need to change because of what Jesus talks about with regard to discipleship. So we're going to jump in here. We're going to look at, at what discipleship is this morning and kind of set the foundation. And then we're going to intro the, the new process here at New Hope, kind of our new, the new direction. And then we'll fill it in as we go. So today, you're not going to get all of it, but uh, but you'll get the kind of the beginning. You'll at least whet the appetite for, all right, all right, I'm coming back because I, I, want, to, I want to see what, like the whole the, the whole process. Our mission from Jesus is to make disciples who make disciples. So, Let's talk about discipleship. According to Jesus, discipleship begins with humility. Right out the gate, you have to understand the importance of humility in your life. That a disciple is one who is humble. This is the the ground, the soil in which discipleship grows is with someone who is humble. It is, I would say, impossible to be a proud disciple. Even a proud Christian shouldn't ever exist as though somehow you are so great, you saved yourself. You did none of the work. You did none of the work. All you did was say, Jesus, you did it. I acknowledge it. I'm in. I'm a follower of you. I lay my life at your feet. Have your way with my life. I give you myself. Great. That's what you did. Your greatest accomplishment in your life was to stop living your life that's what you did. And you let, you let Jesus take the wheel. I think that, that should be a song. That sounds like a really good song. <laughs> According to Jesus, discipleship begins with humility. Let's look at, we'll look at a few of the disciples and, and apostles, like the early disciples of Jesus and see what they said. Peter says this, he talks about humility and he says, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, he says, Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Peter says, listen, here's the job, ready? Close yourselves with humility, humble yourself. There's no room for pride here to think that somehow you are better or smarter or more gifted than everyone else. No, 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 humble yourself. Paul, he talked about humility. He says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. He says, you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You now serve the Lord. And in doing so, live a life worthy of the calling you received. Here's how you do that. Ready? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be humble and patient and gentle. Like, here's what you do. Ready? He says, you, you, you have to experience humility jesus talked about it certainly he says this in matthew 11 he says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you for and learn from me for i am here it is gentle and humble in heart this is jesus this is god himself this is the one who saved you and he says hey i i am gentle and humble in my heart that's what i am humility I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To be a disciple means to humble ourselves before our master, Jesus. Jesus calls us to to follow, to learn, to grow and acknowledge that we don't have the answers, all of them. We have the answers we've been given. You don't have all the answers. True discipleship begins with humility and humility is not this. My, listen, guys, I don't know if you know this my theology is the only right one. <laughs> like, I know better than everyone else. Did you know that? Did you know that? I, like I have all the answers and I know all of the right things to do. And, and, and if we're honest, ready? You think you do too. You think you have all the answers. You have all, like what you believe is the, the one true belief. It's why you believe it. We, we can get to this place where we really, really do think that that we are, that we are the one who has the answers. A true, a humble disciple is someone who says, I don't have all the answers, here's what I think, but I'm not, I am by no means an expert in all things existence. That's not the goal here. Your job as a follower of Jesus is not to be an expert in everything that Jesus is and does. Your goal is not to say, like, like I don't know, you know. I don't know if you know this. If you're, if you're married, you can, t- you can say this to your spouse. I don't know if you know this, honey, but you happen to just marry the greatest Christian that's ever lived in the history of the earth because I just know, all, I have all the answers and I know everything. And I, like, I mean, you are, you, you are, blessed is the womb that gave birth to me. And I, I, that is not, that is not the posture of a disciple. And we would never say that, but some of us can think that or live that way that we really are the greatest thing to like walk on God's green earth. True discipleship begins with humility. So I, I, a lot of um, kind of our, like uh, the, the development of our discipleship thinking and movement as a staff, and we've been talking about this at a pastoral level, year for gosh, a couple of years now of like what this is going to look like, and 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 I'll walk you through kind of a little bit of that process here in a little bit. But one of the guys that's been helpful, especially like towards the end, is this guy named Jim Putman. He's a pastor at a church in uh, in Idaho, and and uh, and they are they focus solely on discipleship, and it's been so helpful for for me and for us to put words into kind of what we're feeling and thinking. And here's so I'm going to quote him a lot today, and a lot of this stuff we give credit because he's like, man, he's like put like made discipleship um, uh, uh, relevant again. And so he writes this, speaking about humility and pride in Christians, he says, what does pride look like for Christians today? Now this is where it's gonna like, it's, it's gonna hurt a little, all right? You're gonna feel this. You're gonna get some like spiritual knots and you're like, oh man, okay. I know I shouldn't keep that, but that hurts. Here's the first one, Ready? Spiritual uh, pride looks like, uh, for Christians, looks like this. To blast someone on social media with whom we disagree. Anyone ever done that? Certainly, certainly, not during COVID. Social media was extremely united and peaceful. (laughs) To blast someone on social media um, uh, that we disagree with. That, he says, is a symptom of uh, of, of being a, a, a spiritual pride in Christians. How about this? This one's rough. Scream and yell in anger at a sports game. Anyone? Anyone? I I coach um, a lot of kids sports and I have parents and uh, and so I know who you are. I've seen you at the games. Like if that's in you, you have some issues to deal with. Reject the promptings of the Holy Spirit to give up a particular sin. Now listen, that's sin for everyone else, but for me, no, no, God, God forgives me. God forgives me. He has grace for me. Judgment for them, grace for me. You know what that is? That is spiritual pride in your life, thinking that somehow you are more special or better than others. Here's another one. Okay, ready? And this is, if this is you, I apologize. I don't apologize. I'm sorry it's going to hurt. But I'm not sorry that you need to hear this. Here it is. Ready? Christians who float from church to church because we're too busy chasing our dreams. Christians that that say, I go to this church on this Sunday and then we our kids go to this youth group and then we have a kids program over here at this church and then we do these events over at this church. Do you, do you know what you're doing for yourself? It sounds, and then they'll say this. I've heard this so many times. Oh, we just like to focus on the big church, big C church, universal church. Oh, it sounds so spiritual. Do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing to yourself? Okay, ready? I'm, here's your toes. What you're doing to yourself and to your kids, you're teaching yourself and your children that Christianity is all about consuming. That it's just consumer Christianity where it's the job of, of all these churches and all these people to serve you and to give you what you want. Ooh, okay. So wait, I'm not supposed to go like do all these, these churches? I, I, honestly, like if you and I were sitting in a private, like having a private talk and there weren't you know hundreds of us sitting and listening right now, I would tell you this. Okay, don't tell anyone I said this, but I will tell you this, that your job, your job is to pick a church that, that you can serve at and you, and you agree with and you can understand the leadership and you're all in and say, this is our church. This is our home. The goal of a Christian is not to always be looking for the next best church or ministry or thing to help fix my kids. I got that so many times as a youth pastor. Hey, if I bring my kids here, will you fix them? Yes. No, because you're gonna break them again. <laughs> I didn't break them. Why do I have to fix them? Here's another one, to rebuff people who hold us accountable for our actions. If you hate being held accountable, this is some pride in you. Now, this doesn't mean every single person in your life gets to hold you accountable, but there's gotta be some, there's gotta be people that you say, all right, if you, like, I'll listen to these people and give them, listen, this is even harder, give them permission to do it. Ooh, you know what that is? That is a humble disciple who said, I give you permission to keep me accountable on some of these things. Awesome. Awesome um here's another one someone who does who does this and and what pride looks like in a christian to uh, to play the victim rather than trying to understand or resolve the conflict instead of trying to fix it or to to see even your part in it man everything bad always happens to me and all these people are to have all of this against me and they're doing this to me and Wow, man, now there are real, now I don't wanna downplay this. There are real victims in this world. Of course there are. And, and, and I would say, I'm gonna imagine many of us have been victimized. But you can't say that everything in your life is due to someone else. Everything that's bad has ever happened to you is, is, not, is because of the result of someone else and you have zero part to play in it. Ooh, I bet you, if we go down the list, there are some things that you probably aren't the victim of. But we can play the victim. Here's another one, defend ourselves when someone gives us constructive criticism. Ooh, that one hurts, that one hurts. When someone gives us construct, not criticism, but really, hey, I wanna help you out and I don't wanna listen, I don't wanna, you don't know me, you, don't, you know what, don't judge me. We just learned that for a whole summer. We learned that phrase, didn't we? Don't judge me. Here's another one, ready? I've seen the damage of this so too many times. Leave a church and divide God's people wreaking havoc along the way. People who intentionally leave at church angry and intending and, and, and wishing to do damage on the church. Here's why that's a big deal. And, and it's not a big deal because it like hurts me. I don't care. Do what you want. Listen, you, you, I don't know if you guys know this. You vote with your feet every Sunday where you want to go, like the church you attend. No one's forcing you to be here. No one's like, like, you gotta come. I mean, if you're a kid, maybe like your parents are forcing you here. But at some point, you get to choose the church you go to. And so we're grateful that, that you picked New Hope as your home. But listen, if you, if when people leave a church, this doesn't affect me. Like I, I understand, like there's great churches and, and we're not the only one and find a church. But when people leave the church and they wanna do damage to the church and they leave loud and it's like angry and all this stuff, it's not me you're hurting. I say me as like the pastor or the staff. It's not the staff. Do you know what you get to do one day? You get to, before Jesus, explain why you, why you tried to harm his bride. That's what you get to do. He says, what, why were you trying to split up that church? Don't you know I died for that church? That's my bride. Listen, let me just, maybe this is the warning that some of us need to hear. That when we decide to leave or try to split a church, You are abusing Jesus' bride. And don't you think he gets defensive of that? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you if someone came and tried to hurt your wife? Wouldn't you guys? Wouldn't you step in and say, literally, over my dead body? And yet people in the church often try to wreak havoc. Man, that is not a, a humble disciple. Someone who refuses to forgive others when they clearly need forgiveness from God and others too. When we refuse to offer forgiveness, though we want it and we need it. Here's another one. To judge others for their sins, but to look past our own. To, to make great someone else's issues, but to downplay ours, even if they're the same issue. Boy, we're really good at that. That's what pride looks like for Christians today. Now that is like his list of, of pride in like, as Christians as a whole. But now let's talk specifics about what it looks like for us. Like, all right, how do I recognize it in me? I mean, some of these maybe you recognize or like, uh, I can see how that would happen in a church or with a group. But what about me? Here's what he says. Recognizing pride in yourself looks like this. I don't obey someone unless I agree with them. Oh, I can't submit to leadership unless I know that they know I'm right. <laughs> unless they agree with my stance or my understanding or my view, then I will not submit to anything that they decide. Oh, you know what that is? Spiritual Pride. This doesn't mean you listen to every leader, but you do listen to the leaders that are over you. I don't obey someone unless I agree with them. All right. I don't trust leaders over my own intuition and instincts. I don't trust people, I don't trust leaders unless I know and I feel it in my gut. A lot of us will say this, like, man, it just didn't feel right. And, and 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 I like I guess maybe like. Uh, what do we, uh, Jiminy Cricket said, let your conscience be your guide, so therefore, you know, it must be true. But like, how many of you actually live your life thinking, you know what? I'm gonna trust my gut in every single situation. It's never let me down. I, my intuition's never let me down. I don't, I, like, there's no way that's true. And, and here's how I know. You don't raise your kids that way. You don't raise your kids to say, hey, hey, listen, don't listen to any leadership or authority in your life ever unless you trust them with your gut. Unless you just, you just feel it to be true. Don't listen to your teacher. Don't listen to your principal. Unless what they're saying feels right. We don't ever teach our kids that. Yet somehow maybe we can get to that point. Here's another one. Ready? I promise the pain will stop uh, eventually when we're dead. <laughs> I don't serve unless people see my service. Ooh, I've heard this many times. I've had people in my office say like, hey, I want to serve. But I don't, I don't want to like, like clean up trash or like do chairs. I want to do real work. And I'm thinking, that is the real work. That is the work. Like the, the service that you need for your heart is chairs that no one ever sees you do. It's picking up trash that no one ever sees you do. That's the stuff that's like, that is a humble disciple. That Jesus came not to be, ser- not to be served, but to serve. All right. So we, we're not here to be served, but to serve. Whether you credit or no credit, in, in view of people or not, you can serve. And it isn't like, here's the next one. I won't serve um, unless I'm gifted at it. Hey, I'm not gifted at that thing, so I'm, clearly that's not for me. Well, hold on, hold on. Service is not for the things that, like, you're really good at. And, and maybe some of the things you are good at, and so it feels great to serve. But to say, like, well, I'm not gifted at all this stuff, so I'm not going to serve. I promise you, I promise you, you are super gifted at handed out candy. You can do that. You can serve a community, but like, I will work a game booth. That seems so silly, but I'm telling you like, all right, I'm serving the church and my community. Whether I'm gifted at it or not, or an expert or not. Here's another one, ready? I won't be taught because I'm the teacher. (laughs) Hey, listen, I don't know if you know this. My theology is great. And unless you line up with my theology, I know I'm right, right? This is how we think. I know I'm right. And so you need to line up with me or else you're wrong. I can't be taught because I'm the teacher. Oof. I, I know the, there's a lot of these that affect ministry. I know a lot of pastors that like, this is them. This is them. I have nothing to, left to learn because I am the expert. I hope this isn't you, but I think we can get to this point where I feel like I'm the expert. I, I've worked for a guy who said this once and he said, I don't. I read the Bible, but I, don't, I, don't, I have nothing left to learn. I've learned it all. I'm sitting here going, oh man, lightning's coming. Lord, Lord, I'm in the room, please, for, you know, save me. I, 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 could not, I could not believe, I could not understand. I won't be a servant unless it leads to being a leader later on. Hey, listen, I don't wanna start at the bottom unless you promise me I can get to the top. Oh, okay, okay. There might be some pride in you. I will follow leaders only if I understand the reason behind what they are doing. Ooh. Listen, if I understand it, until I understand it, I'm not, I'm not, I will not follow. This, this is, I have to deal with it. I, I'd like to deal with this, but I have, to, I have to like understand, like I don't know everything. Like we, we're a part of a denomination. I submit to the denomination and, and there's not, like I don't know all the decisions that happen. I might not even agree with it, but you know what I do? We submit to the denomination. We submit to our leadership. Just because we don't know all of the things, like it's fine. All right. Humility says we submit. We submit, Jesus. Here's another one. Ready? Last one, and then, uh, then I'll stop the pain. I hear from God in a unique way that no one understands except me. You know why? I'm special. <laughs> How God communicates to me is special and different than anyone else. So like when God speaks to me, man, you better listen. I know people like this. I know, again, I know, I know pastors like this, like where, where they, they really think that they are the mediator between the church and Jesus as though they need a mediator. We have one mediator, and guess what? It's not you. We don't need you in this. Jim Putman, says this. He he summarizes it with with this quote. A proud person simply focuses on themselves. That's what a proud person does. They focus on themselves. They say, I and me and my a lot. All right. So according to Jesus, discipleship begins with humility. Now, we spent a lot of time kind of building the base here because it really is like this whole thing, the atmosphere of discipleship has to be humility. It has to, has to, has to be. It's not pride. It can never be pride. It has to be. Now, let's move through now what Jesus talks about discipleship. discipleship. According to Jesus, discipleship, he says, is not optional. This is the mission Jesus gives his church as he's on his way out. He's literally like my last words before the ascension. I'm telling my disciples, this is it. This is the, literally my parting words to you. And you know what he says? He gives them their mission. He gives them, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He starts by saying, "Here's my credentials. Ready? I went to the cross. I shed my blood. I died for people. I, I conquered death, and now I've been raised. I'm, I'm like like raised from the dead, and I'm gonna ascend to the right hand of my Father. Like, listen, I have all the authority now. All authority in heaven, all of it, has been given to me, and all authority on earth has been given to me. Here's what Jesus said. Ready? I'm the boss of all of it. I'm the boss." I'm the GM of all of it. I'm the CEO of heaven and of all things earth. I have all this authority. So listen to me, okay? What I say comes with the weight of all the authority in heaven and on earth. And here's what he says Therefore, because I have this authority, go and make disciples. That's what he wants. He can say anything, he could give any mission he wants. He has all the authority to say, this is what I want for my church. This is what I want you guys to do. I'm gonna build my church that's gonna be centered around this. And do you know what he says? He says, here's what I have. Here's what I want. I have all this authority. So go make disciples. That's your job. Not go make converts. He didn't say go make Christians. Go make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? Huh, I'm glad you asked. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Step one, hey, lead them to faith. Get them to to understand who like the gospel, to make a decision and then get them baptized. Step one, get them in the faith and then get them baptized. Now, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm gonna assume a lot of us have been baptized. If you haven't been baptized, there's no reason to wait anymore. Jesus has all the authority in the world and he says, go make disciples. All right, how do we do that? And step one was get baptized. But I can be a Christian without being baptized. Of course you can, but but Jesus says this, the process of discipleship begins with you getting baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, I would love to dunk you in the water. I love it. I love dunking. I love baptisms. Like I don't even mind if I get wet. Like, it's, it's fine. It's great. So if you haven't been baptized yet, like we would love to baptize you to say, all right, you're, the first step in your process of discipleship is getting you under some water in front of everyone. Right? It's not because it's magic, because it's it's obedience. walking in obedience to what Jesus says. So baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, what do I, I've been baptized, now what do I do? Verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, that's not a one-time event. That doesn't happen on like, and on that Sunday I have now been taught in everything that Jesus did. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, here's what I want. Ready? Get him in the faith, get baptized. And here's what a disciple does. Ready? They obey everything I taught, everything I commanded. Your job's to obey. Not to know it. A lot of us know it. A lot of us know the scriptures. He doesn't say, I want you to know everything. I want you to know it. And then he says, I want you to do it. I want you to be taught and I want you to obey. A disciple then obeys the commands of Jesus. And notice, this isn't, this is not, we don't call this the great suggestion. This is the mission of the church. This is the great commission. This is, this is now not optional. It's a command. It's not, discipleship isn't for a select few. It's not, it, it's, it's not for like those who can, like who have the time for it. This is for every single believer ever of all time. Jesus doesn't say if you have time or if you feel like it or if you're in the mood or you know, if your church has this class or, or like if they have this thing, then you can go be a disciple. No, no, no. Go and make disciples. It's an essential part of our walk. Here's the next thing. According to Jesus, discipleship belongs to him. In Matthew 4, 19, he calls his first disciples. He literally calls them the disciples. And here's how he calls them. Here's what he says. There's three things that happened in this one little phrase. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What's striking here is not the call, but the posture it requires. Here's here's what he says, ready? A disciple is someone who is first following Jesus. He starts by saying, all right, here's what I want, ready? Follow me. And and, and you follow me, not because mom makes you come to church, not because dad or grandma or the kids. I want you, I want you, you to follow me. Not because you're here for your spouse, or you follow me me. If everyone else leaves, I want you to follow me. That's step one. Being a disciple is becoming a follower of just my favorite language that Jesus used as a follower of Jesus. Christian has so much baggage to it and I I use the word, but I prefer follower of Jesus so much more because that literally is what we are. I'm following Jesus. Step two, he says this, I will make you. This is now the process where we say we allow ourselves to be changed by Jesus. This is his work. It isn't, follow me and go make yourself super awesome. Follow me and make yourself great and really train hard at becoming a great person. Follow me, and he says, and now he takes the responsibility. It's my job and I will make you. It's my job. Jesus says, I, it's my responsibility now to disciple you. You follow me and I will do the work. I will do it. He takes the responsibility. This is so great for us. We just have to say, I'm willing. And he says, great, you follow me, and a, so a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus, and then the third part is someone who is on mission with Jesus. What is he gonna make us? He says, fishers of men. Just this last service between, between services, I had a lady come up, and she said, now, this, this is not dating advice for women, is it? And I'm like, no, no, it is not. She's single and looking to mingle, and she was wanting to know. This is not like, go find a man. This is literally you. Your job, your job is to go catch people for the gospel. Not like against their will, but to share the gospel. Fishers of men, not like you're fishing and like, oh, I got got one, got a big one. Oh, he's he's fighting me hard. But to, to rather to say, instead of like thinking of your work and your job as your work, to say, no, 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 you have a bigger mission here. The disciple of Jesus doesn't look at their job and say, the, the, the goal of my life is to have a great career and then retire and then just relax. The job of a disciple who is really on mission is to say, in my career, whatever your job is, whatever your work is, to say, I have a greater mission here and that's to go be fishers of men. To go make disciples. To share the gospel and to, and to, and to offer salvation to as many people as possible. All right. According to Jesus, discipleship belongs to him, and it looks like someone who is following Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus, and someone who is on mission with Jesus. Here's the last thing, and then we'll get to kind of the int- we'll introduce sort of like, like the the kind of the process, what it will look like here at New Hope. According to Jesus, discipleship is intentional, relational, and follows a process. Jesus didn't give it up to chance. Jesus was very specific and intentional with his disciples as to what they did and, and, and how they interacted and where they went and what was said and what was taught and how they acted. He wasn't just intentional, nor were the disciples like just intentional, though they were. They both, like, both had to agree. We, he says, you be, follow me. And they say, yes, we will be your followers. We commit intentionally to being discipled by you. It was relational. It was not, all right, now go to, go to rabbi school. It was, they would walk together and talk together and spend three years together, sometimes one on one, sometimes one on groups. And and Jesus would like interact with them individually and as a group. And he did so in a relationship, always in relationship. And it followed a process. It followed a process of mature spiritual growth, starting from kind of like infancy, leading to spiritual maturity. So let's look at this process, and and we'll look at this slide and this 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 graphic that is going to become like the 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 chart that we'll fill in over the next few weeks. So it by no means is it full today, and um and and by the end it will be so clear as to like, all right, I know my next step. I know what I'm. I know what God is calling me to next. Here it is. This is uh, it's uh, called. The, we're calling it the discipleship wheel. This we worked on for a number of, time, a number of um, years as a church to figure out like, all right, what does discipleship look like? And then, and then of course, this guy, Jim Putman, has it all like figured out in a super nice chart. And we're like, he did it. We, we, we were literally trying to recreate the wheel and he made the wheel. Here it is. So this is the wheel. It begins with, uh, there's five groups. It begins with people who are lost. The first category of the spiritual, like spiritual category are people who don't know Jesus, who are spiritually what the Bible will call lost or spiritually dead. They don't know Jesus. Now, they become a Christian through maybe a lifetime of work. They make a decision and they say, now I'm a follower. And then they become a spiritual infant. Paul uses this language and he says, man, you are like spiritual babies and I have to give you milk. Even though you should be on meat by now, you're still infants in your faith. When you become new to faith, you are now an infant. As you grow, just like we grow like as human beings, you move from an infant to a child a spiritual child where now you're not necessarily as helpless as an infant but you still need mom and dad to take care of you right my kids are children and they we i, some, I they, we still have to feed them every day every day we have to feed them and 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 it's not like they feed themselves like hey what's for lunch i don't know how about you make me lunch once i don't know when that ends when that 25 28 30 when when do they start making food for themselves spiritual children spiritual children Say this. Okay, ready? Here we go. I've had many people say this. Spiritual children say this. I'm not being spiritually fed. Hmm. My kids say that. I'm not being fed here. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you you know where the fridge is. You can make a meal for yourself. Spiritual children expect everyone else to do the work for them. Now, we all go through this phase. And we need this phase. As children, we literally go through this phase. where, are like, we have to have parents. But at some point, you have to grow up out of that. And you become then, the next category, a spiritual adult, where now you're, you're, you're no longer a child. You're, you're fending for yourself. You're probably on your own, like moved out of the house. Spiritually now, it's not mom and dad's faith. It's not, it's spiritually, it's not like I'm relying on everyone else to feed me all this stuff. It's, hey, I, I can actually grow my faith here without relying on the work of everyone else to feed me. And then eventually... The goal is spiritual maturity, which which looks like being a spiritual parent, where now it's your job to say, I now am investing in others. I am now a disciple who makes disciples. A spiritual parent doesn't say, just like real parents don't say, hey, who's gonna feed me today? You know what real parents do? They do the work to feed their kids. Spiritual parents, truly like like spiritually mature disciples don't look for how am I gonna be fed? They say, how can I help disciple and feed others? ooh, that's a different call. So let's look at this. Let's fill this in. We'll do this fairly quickly. And then over the next few weeks, um, the, this is gonna continue to expand and grow. And I'm telling you, it's gonna make sense. And, and it's gonna be like, okay, I get it. I get it, I get it. I'm ready, I'm ready for my next step. Spiritually lost, here's what they do, ready? Their job is to hear the gospel and respond. That's it. Hear the gospel and respond. Your, your step in discipleship is to respond to the gospel. If you haven't done that yet, don't even worry about anything else on the chart. Your job is to respond to the gospel. And then spiritual infants, they become saved. They experience salvation. They say, I'm in. I want to follow Jesus. Lord, forgive me. I'm in. They discover new life in Christ. That there's this, there really is, a, like, oh, the old is gone, the new has come, and that you are a new, like a spiritually, a new creature, the Bible calls They discover new life in Christ. They discover new truth and learn all the time. When I went through, like, became a Christian, every time I read a Bible verse or heard it, it was the first time ever. Like, I was discovering new truth literally every time I opened the Bible. And then they discover new habits. All right, praying and reading and attending church. And like, like, all right. A spiritual infant is in this phase. Ideally, hopefully, not for too long. Like, if you're 20 years in this phase, you're stuck. You're stuck. Something's wrong. And this, this today maybe is a spiritual, like a, a, a spiritual nudge to say, hey, it's time to start growing. A spiritual child does this. They connect to God. This is their job now. They connect to God. They connect to a small group. Uh, so they're around people who are also kind of on the journey together and they connect to God's purpose. Wonderful, great. God, how have you made me and, and what am I supposed to do with how you made me? How am I supposed to serve and how you made me? Wonderful, a spiritual young adult then continues to cross this white line. We'll talk about this in the future weeks. And they are now growing in their faith. They're now able to grow on their own. They get trained to serve. Now it's not about like consuming, it's about serving. All right, I wanna, I wanna start serving. Put me in, coach. And then they start serving in regularly in a ministry. Not like a, hey, I served once this year. Check, I've done my service. No, no, no. All right, I think, I'm, I think God, Jesus calls us to be servants. To serve, so I wanna serve regularly. And then a spiritual parent, then, is, is the person now who can explain a disi- this discipleship process. They're then released to disciple someone else with help. All right, now, let's show you how to disciple someone, what, what it looks like specifically. And it's, it's one of those like, hey, I'll do and you watch, and then eventually you're gonna do it, and then, and then, and then you'll be released to disciple alone, where, hey, you're, now go out, we're gonna make disciples, and you can do this now. This is the process, this wheel is the thing that, that all of us, like every one of us will, like, can pick a spot where we're at and say, all right, I think that's where I'm at. And here's the thing, ready? Don't, don't it may be even uncomfortable to acknowledge and to admit, oh man, I thought I'd be further. You know, you know what I would say to that? Like all of us would say, I, I, I thought I'd be further. You know what I would say to that? Hey, two things. First, God's grace is so good. He doesn't expect perfection out of you. And number two, you have a road work now to travel. Like you got a roadmap. Awesome. Now it will be clear your next step as to what it looks like for you to become a disciple who makes disciples. Starting next week, we'll fill us in even more. And we'll talk about specifically now, like, what at New Hope, how, how, how are we gonna do this at New Hope? So I'm excited. You gotta come next week. We are, the, the goal is that, that our mission is from Jesus and our mission is, is to make disciples who make disciples. It's clear, we want to follow in Jesus' footsteps and his process. So I'm going to ask you to commit to two things before we uh, we worship the Lord here and wrap up. Number one, number one, that you, you commit to say, as best I can, if you're out of town, I get, but as best I can, I'm going to come to this series. Not because we want a crowd. I don't want a crowd. I don't care about a crowd. What I want is people who are like, all right, I want to be a disciple. I'm in, I'm in. and 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 i want you to come back because we're going to continue this process of like showing like here's here's what it looks like at new hope so it's it's super important so i want you i really want you to commit to say all right i'm in i want to take seriously discipleship and 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 commit at least to hearing more about it right number two every time you come we all myself included need to have a posture of humility to say all right lord I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. In fact, I probably don't know more than I do know. So when I come to church, I, want, I give you permission to teach me, to grow me, to challenge me. I'm a follower, but I want, all right. I don't want to be a spiritually proud person who thinks they have all the answers. I want to be someone who says, all right, I want to be changed by you. And, and, and you may, listen, you may be a Christian for decades. You may, you may be like, I've been a Christian for 50 years. Wonderful. Wonderful. You may also be feeling like, and I've been stuck for, I don't know, 40 of those years, all right? This series will help you get unstuck. (laughs) This is meant to be an encouraging, like spur you on to say, all right, wherever you are in your faith, wherever you are in your walk, I know my next thing, and I'm excited for it. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna worship the Lord together. So Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that, that the gospel is not a one-time event that we just, we say we believe it and then move on. We don't ever graduate on from the gospel. The finish line is not, we become a Christian and then we're done. Becoming a Christian seems to be the starting line. <laughs> and then the rest of our life now is, is learning and obeying your commands what you taught us help us as a church to take seriously your command to to make disciples of all nations and to say lord it starts with me all right lord make me a disciple i want to grow in my faith help us lord to take seriously your call of discipleship and show us every one of us over this next five weeks to show us make it clear the next steps you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've seen this last song with us, and let's be encouraged.